Hello there, this is Milena, your host of Retail Mavericks podcast. In this episode, we have taken a popular webinar and converted it into a podcast for your listening pleasure. You can visit hybrid.com forward slash resources to watch the full webinar. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our webinar today. I am Lynn Petrak, Senior Editor at Progressive Grocer. On behalf of Progressive Grocer and Ensemble IQ, I'd like to welcome you today as we talk about simulating merchandising decisions with AI to deliver relevant store-specific SKU selections. And we have a great brain trust here today to talk us talk us through these really top-of-mind issues. So we're going to get right into our speakers here today. Uh, we are joined um, by Dirk Curtis. He's Vice President of Retail at Hybrid. He's an experienced professional services executive helping retailers and CPGs connect the dots between data and analytics to drive smarter execution. He's a proven leader in building high-performing teams by attracting, developing, and maintaining top talent. He believes in servant leadership and helping people find that same creative spark when telling stories powered by data. We're also joined by Scott Anderson. He is stepping in for uh, Zach Simpson, who I think is in Europe or on a plane, got called away to a project. So um, we have uh, Scott here, who has more than 25 years of leadership experience and working for some of the world's greatest CPG and data companies, including Campbell Soup Company, Kimberly Clark, Numerator, and Retail Solutions. So we've got um, a lot going on um, in terms of technology that's enabling retailers to get through some of these headwinds. And Dirk's going to be talking about some of those headwinds. So when we have a perfect storm of headwinds coming, we need some good, good forecasting and good navigation. So we've got them here to help steer us through. So welcome, Dirk. Yeah, thanks, Lynn. And uh, good morning, everyone. It's uh, fantastic to be here. And we appreciate you just making the time in your schedules uh, to join us today. And really excited to get into this conversation as Lynn set up, right? Of like, what is that opportunity when I bring together both the power of human intelligence with AI to deliver that idea of locally relevant store specific use selection? And how does enabling the ability to simulate those decisions help me get there faster? So we'll jump in with a high level agenda. Um, first thing we'll talk about, as Lynn mentioned, is just what is kind of happening in the industry, right? There's some really interesting headwinds and challenges putting pressure on all businesses but that also leads to an opportunity, right? And so what is that opportunity and how do I transition those challenges into the ability to win at the shelf? And then we'll highlight just a few of the things that are holding us back, right? What's kind of leading to the industry being a little slow to take up these technologies and challenging us to take advantage of that opportunity. Paint a picture of what we see the future state looking like when you really bring together AI plus human intelligence. And then we'll bring it to life with some examples uh, within the industry and some of the work that we have done and then at the end, Scott will hand it back to Lynn and we'll open it up to Q&A, hopefully getting through any and all of those questions as much as we can, but obviously handling those uh, after as needed as well. So let's start with kind of the headwinds, right? I, I think uh, your view on this uh, being exciting or challenging probably depends a bit on your position uh, within the organization, uh, but there's a lot of things going on right now as we kind of continue to lap this. And the first one, Right, I think top of mind for everyone, we see it in the polls, you see it in the business, is just rising inflation uh, and the pressures that that is putting on the business, whether that is impacts of cost of goods are going up and how much of that and when do I pass that on to my consumers, rising wages, increased costs in transportation and operations, all leading to continued pressure right on the bottom line and how am I gonna manage that? The other thing we're coming off of is lapping, you know, a lot of interesting sales trends driven by COVID and changing shopping behavior, which kind of feeds in to the next one, which is just this idea of continually changing shopping behavior. We talked about COVID and right how that's changing things, but equally, which part of those are going to change? What part of that is going to stay the same? And then as inflation hits, we're starting to see some old trends become new again. Consumers switching to private brands, consolidating their trips, trying to save on the expenses of going out shopping. Continue though to still see items such as better for you, better for the world, continue to trend with consumers. They look for healthier options, more sustainable options for the communities that they live in. And then just the pressures of Omni that it's putting on. Customers expect a personalized experience in the store, much like digital, as they kind of order online, they wanna understand how do I easily find and navigate that trip. And so it's making the store in a lot of ways more relevant again, but putting more pressure on how do I get the store to execute. Speaking of execution, the third one really is just supply chain disruption. Um, so full whip effects of I'm out of product, I got to order a lot of product. Now I'm living in situations where I have 
excess inventory in some categories, which I've got to move through via markdowns, et cetera. And other places, I've still got shortages. And then there's just disruptions I know are going to continue to come, but I can't quite forecast. And how do I quickly react and manage those disruptions in my business? And then the last one is just the continued talent war, right? We all are looking for the best talent to run organizations. It continues to be an environment favored towards the job seeker, towards the employee talent, meaning organizations really got to focus on, am I delivering a modern experience for my associates? And am I putting them in a position where they can make an impact? And really the common theme across all of these is it's putting very direct pressure on retailers and their supplier partners, financial performance, both top line, bottom line, and their ability to win with shoppers. So we think about that as a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. And the good news is one of the biggest levers we have as an industry and as an organization, and one of the most core things that we do every day is putting the right products on the right shelves in the right stores. Not only does it help us with financial performance, it also helps us with the shopper experience and winning with shoppers. And so what does this mean to us? The first is it's locally relevant, i.e. That, that assortment, the space allocation, it's really designed to meet the needs of each individual store. Anybody looks at the data, you can quickly see no store is the same. Each kind of has its own fingerprint. And am I carrying the right products that those local customers want? And am I set up so that the demand on the shelf and the space and the footage is correct so that I'm managing my on-shelf availability effectively? Beyond locally relevant, is it effectively merchandised? What that means to us is I've got a brand strategy, a brand, a category strategy I'm trying to drive. Is the shelf delivering on that message to my shoppers? Is it effective? Is it easy to navigate? Do they understand the messages that I'm trying to deliver and the strategies that I'm trying to achieve for the business? How well am I balancing the ideas of hitting the customer, i.e. the assortment, along with the operational or space constraints within my business? And then lastly, it all has to be operationally efficient. Right? I don't have capacity to add resources, add more investment, right? So how well am I able to deliver on this all the way from analytics through to drawing the planograms, through to execution and in-store operations having to manage the shelf. The process has simply got to be much more iterative. It's got to move faster and we've got to have the ability to operate with much greater precision, right? The ability to really allocate where is the best place to put my resources, invest my capital to drive the biggest return on that investment. And so we think that real success is when I can get hyper-local, effectively merchandised and do it in an operationally efficient way. So what's holding us back, right? There's some foundational challenges that retailers and their suppliers are facing as we go through that end-to-end -end assortment and planogram process. The first one is it's just very labor intensive, right? So I have large teams today managing this. It takes a long time to get through each stage, whether it's planning, optimization, and execution. And so it tends to be, it's not driven by market forces or changing consumer behavior. It's driven by how much capacity do I have, which means I'm typically slower to respond uh, to the opportunities that exist in the market. The other piece that labor intensive drives is we tend to operate in the aggregate as opposed to the local. So why do we do that? Well, we do that because it's just simply easier to execute, right? Even though we know local gives us a better return on our investment, if I do it with my current resources, I'm gonna have to add so many people, so many resources that it's just simply not gonna make financially sense to do it with my existing processes and resources. The next piece is, those processes, those analytics, the data is fragmented, right? So it lives in different silos, different parts of the business, different teams, different objectives. So it makes it really difficult to see the whole picture and really understand the trade-offs between strategy and execution or optimization and strategy. And so I can't stay connected to what is that business impact. And then it's really difficult to hand off those insights into execution in the current environment. And lastly is, you know, we're still legacy, still operating with a lot of legacy tools, right? And so this creates an environment where it's more about how good is the user with the tool uh, as opposed to business expertise, merchandising experience, intuition, and strategic thinking. It also tends to really reward the process as opposed to the business outcome. And it doesn't allow me to actually forecast and see what is the financial outcome of a given decision before I have to take action. And so it doesn't allow me to kind of operate in a much smarter way and to rapidly iterate against those decisions. So what could the future state look like? If we bring those things, shift them around, look at them in a different lens. Uh, the first thing is moving from this idea of 
really highly intense labor processes, we can now transition to an environment that's much smaller teams, much more agile, so they can work across planning, optimization, and execution with a single platform, really understand the impacts of those decisions, but still go at the scale and precision necessary. And AI really enables them to do this. So what does this look like, right? If I'm making decisions at the strategy stage, trying to understand, hey, what are my objectives this year? I need to hit X amount of revenue growth. I need to impact my margin in a certain way. Now as a user, I can really start to simulate those strategies way early in the process while still understanding, is this gonna be executable, right? How does that strategic plan impact operations? And so I can make those financial trade-offs between revenue and operational impact. Equally, as I get into the optimization for my customer, really trying to understand how are they behaving, what's the switching patterns, does that optimization create new complexities for me from an operational standpoint? How do I make those trade-offs and understand the cost of those different decisions? Equally, is it still in line with my strategic objectives, right? Is there some new insight that I uncovered? As opposed to having to wait for planning to finish, I can now start to do these pieces in conjunction, allowing me to move much faster through the process. Taking something that is today, on average, most, most surveys 30 to 45 weeks to get through the end-to-end -end assortment planning process to a process that we can cut in half, do it with half or the same amount of resources, no incremental investment, and still deliver on the scale that's required for hyper-local, right? So really transforming the way that we work and approach the opportunity. So how does that end-to-end -end kind of pay off, right? And so I go from this environment of fragmented data where I can't see the impact of those decisions to an environment where I have end-to-end -end visibility and I can connect the decision-making across that. This is where you really get the ability to start to simulate different decisions and leverage the power of what's my human strategy and how does AI do what it does best? So what does this open up? AI allows us to take a bottoms up approach. This means we are starting with the most granular level data, store, item, what's the merchandising style, how much space does an item take up, what's available on the shelf. Because I do that bottoms up modeling, that's what allows me to then rapidly iterate different strategies. And now I can really understand as I impact those, what is the outcome, right? And now I can start to see, as I've done that strategy, how does it deliver the right store-specific recommendations for SKUs, whether I'm rationalizing the SKUs across my environment, adding space for product innovation. And while it's doing that, it's also allowing me to optimize both the space and automatically generate that planogram because it's bottoms up, merchandising aware, and it allows me then to quantify that. Second there, that allows the team to really collaborate much more effectively, right? I get transparency into how is every single decision impacting performance. And so teams can make decisions driven by the data, keep the focus on what is the business outcome I'm trying to drive, all within an environment that is simple to use. Simple to use simply means I'm not dependent upon the data science team or some of the modeling group to get the answers to my questions. I can actually use business expertise, simply interact with it and keep the focus on what is the outcome I'm trying to drive. Because at the end of the day, there's lots of math, lots of fun that goes into this, but performance really boils down to at the store SKU level, how are we performing? That's what drives our overall objectives and performance. And the last piece on future state is kind of this idea of moving from a legacy tool to financially driven decisions, the ability to simulate and forecast those things. And this is really where AI combines with that human intelligence to unlock really fun uh, and exciting ways to engage. Today, we tend to operate in a cluster driven approach, right? We're pretty good at this. We've gotten pretty smart. We know how to build clusters. We're pretty good at the assortment, but as we try to go out, even the best assortment is still gonna leave dollars on the table from a sales standpoint, as I try to get closer to my customer, or if I wait too much to the operational side, I get great operational, but I don't succeed in delighting my customers. AI allows us to get to an environment where we can simulate the ability, maximize sales, because we're optimizing assortment for both sales as well as fitting perfectly on the shelf in every single store. So let's bring this to life a little bit. We're gonna go through three different examples. Uh, we're gonna, and we'll dive into the kind of first one of how does the ability to simulate, use AI, open up new insights into the business. The first one I'm gonna take us through is unlocking new growth opportunities, both from a sales standpoint, but also operational growth opportunities via hyper-local retailing. So in this example, um, working with a customer, they 
given us a category to partner on in this category, they had already kind of a set standard approach. Um, so for the category, they clustered their stores. They used inputs like geographics, demographics, and attitudinal behaviors. This allowed them to then go, okay, I'm going to create seven macro clusters uh, to deliver and execute my planograms. Once I cut that by the available space, so seven clusters translated into 515 planograms. In this category, they did $250 million in revenue and their days of supply, they were a little bit overweighted. They weren't quite in their target. They were about 4.3 points above where they wanted to be on average uh, for each product on standard days of supply. Now remember, when we use AI, we get to start from the bottoms up. So that allows us to execute at any cluster level. And so we took a look at this and we said, well, let's, let's start with very simply, what would happen if I just optimized my current approach? So if I just optimize those seven clusters, 515 planograms, what's gonna happen? And because that AI goes and looks at every single store, sets those strategies in a few minutes, right? I've already got back answers. Answers that show me I can unlock 2.2% growth in revenue or about $5.5 million absent adding any innovation, any promotions, just simply by remixing uh, what's on the shelf. I can improve my days of supply by 0.4 points. So I can bring that down closer to where my expected outcome is. And probably more importantly is it's literally drawing the planograms for every single one of these stores or every single one of these 515 planograms. So once I see this inside, I can easily hand it to the team to then go execute on really, we think of it like Google Maps, right? It's gonna give them turn by turn directions as to how to deliver on that 2.2% revenue growth. But I wanna know what's the opportunity if I go all the way down to store specific. And so we take a look at this category and this first thing we see, it's pretty common. Everyone reacts the same way, they all get it. Every store and each shopper they're not all alike, right? And AI allows us to go do that scale and precision math to identify what that actually looks like. And so it allows us to select store-specific SKUs that unlock that growth that already exists in the store. So in this case, we saw an opportunity of 8.2% growth in the category simply by taking that journey to store-specific or about $23 million in revenue, as well as a massive improvement on days of supply, right? So improving my on-shelf availability, and we'll talk a little bit later about also helping me minimize any potential waste that sits on the shelf. Now, even as you look at this chart, you see that opportunity, but I'm not ready yet to go all the way down to store specific. This is where it really starts to get fun and honestly, where the human intelligence and strategy starts to really pay off. What is that trade-off between revenue and operational investment that I have to make? Because we have the precision of all the way down to store item, we can start to see things like, hey, top 40 stores may be the best place to go store specific. Maybe I wanna cluster the rest. How do I make that decision? Well, we start to look at it and we start to model different outcomes. So now we've said, okay, we wanna be able to financially quantify and operationalize the business impact across teams. So we wanna be able to look cross-functionally and evaluate what's the best strategy for our business. We already know on the left-hand side, or at least left-hand side for me uh, on the screen, Optimizing my existing gives me 2.2%. I draw 515 planograms. All the way to store specific gives me 8.2% growth. I draw 715 planograms. I can quickly compare, well, what if I did five? What if I did 20? And I really get to use the data to align on, well, what's the best strategy to balance that trade-off between revenue uh, and operational investment? In this case, we said we want to take a moderate step forward. We want to get on that journey to, to local and customer-centric. We're going to take a moderate step. We're actually gonna reduce the number of planograms we draw. So we're gonna go down to 453 planograms, but still generate 4.5% revenue growth and a 20% improvement on our days of supply. Now I wanna drill a little bit into this idea of days of supply and just one of the really big things that AI helps us unlock because of that precision and because of the detail uh, that it's running the analysis. No matter how good we are at drawing a cluster, we're always going to have certain stores within that cluster that perform different than the average. And this is where we can really start to use space-aware AI to impact reducing waste on the shelf, as well as improving our on-shelf availability right from the start when we set and plan for those planograms uh, performance throughout the year. And in this case, we're gonna have a subset of stores that outperform the standard average for that cluster, right? And so in those stores, I've got compressed days of supply, I'm impacting my uh, on-shelf availability in a negative way and I'm losing sales or simply I'm adding operational costs for store associates to take items from the back of the store and put them on the shelf. 
Inversely, I've got a set of stores that are underperforming the expected average of churn within that cluster. And so now I've got products sitting on a shelf that I've either got to throw out because they went bad and I got to deal with the waste. I've got to run markdowns, all of that adding operational cost within my organization. Utilizing AI in partnership with my knowledge of the category, I can now start to set very specific constraints to say, you know what, actually I want to optimize the shelf to best align with the average sell-through date or rate for those items within that category. And in this case, I've set that to 90%. I want all items to have enough facings, enough points of distribution, enough items on the shelf to sell within 90% of their sell-through date. And I've been able to bring down days of supply by over 15%. Again, I can now start to make these decisions of, is that the right approach? Or is there another way to do it? And I can actually look at other data sets and say, what's the cost savings for me if I reduce waste by this amount? Really starting to make very financially driven decisions that lean on my expertise of the category and letting the AI do what it does best. Kind of digging deeper into this, I wanna talk more about now just translating strategies into quantifiable and executable results, right? How does AI allow me to do this uh, in a way that's much faster and much smarter uh, than I do it today? So AI is great for a lot of things, right? It's great at mass analytics, running those at scale, leveraging bottoms up data. This allows it to know exactly how each item and each store is gonna perform, merchandising size, facing fixture types, available space in every store, right? It's really smart. And this allows me to make sure my recommendations are executable, as well as allows me to forecast what's the impact of those decisions. But AI doesn't know what it doesn't know, right? It doesn't know what is my strategic objectives for the year, right? What is, you know, what are the goals that I have to hit? There's some known supply chain disruption I'm about to have this year, right? Maybe I just know there's a trend that's coming that I want to take advantage of in my categories. This is where you got to put the two things together. Let AI do what it does best, but really enable the users and the business expertise to come to life. And so how do we do this? Well, the first thing we tend to do is we let the AI run wild, as we say, uh, and just let the machine shop the category, right? So this is never something you're going to execute, but it starts to teach us a few things, right? The model starts to learn about your data, how you merchandise, how items perform. And so we start to uncover, you know, are there just latent trends at the store level that we didn't see that we could take advantage of, right? But I got to have something I can execute. And so now as I go through that planning process, whether it's operating plans or marketing plans, I can start to layer that in. So maybe the first thing is for this category, I needed to drive margin. That's the role of this category. And so I want to weight the model to this percent of margin versus revenue, right? So I can now start to guide where I want it to go. The next thing is I've got an objective as an organization to grow my own brand's portfolio. So I'm going to increase distribution on own brands by 10%. Right? And so now I've set the next step in that journey. Same time, I can't just go ripping out every single product in every single store. I don't have the labor, the costs are too high. So now I want to tell the AI, hey, look, you're only allowed to replace 25% of any given category in any given store. So I want to limit that category churn to 25%. Now the AI says, okay, I understand your objectives. You've told me what I don't know. I'm going to start to optimize within those rules and within those constraints. And then it produces two really important outcomes. Again, because it's bottoms up, because it's space aware, it allows me to say, okay, how is a margin focus, increased private brands distribution, limit of category churn, how's that going to impact my business financially? What's the impact of lift? What's the impact on operational performance? And it's going to generate the planograms for every single store, helping my teams know exactly how to go execute on that strategy, right? So it no longer do I have to, well, here's my insight. How in the world am I going to turn this into execution? Weeks and weeks and weeks of effort and trade-offs to not even know, hey, is that insight even still relevant, right? Is the strategy still being hold? I can see all of it in real time as quick as I run the simulation. And I can easily work within that scenario, right? So at an aggregate level, it's gonna tell me, here's what's happening, but I can go all the way down and look exactly as to how is that impacting performance? So users and Curate can quickly navigate the impacts of those decisions, right? So what's the scope of any given rule that I've set? Merchandising constraints, strategic strategy, how many products and stores is that rule impacting, right? I can turn them on, I can turn them off if I wanna test different ideas and see how that trade-off is gonna impact performance. 
I can also draw all the way down to the planogram for any given store on that simulation and say, okay, well, what does this look like? Does it look right to me? I can click on an individual item and say, well, why is that item there? Right? And it's gonna tell me here's the rules and constraints and objectives within that scenario that placed that item in the top right next to that item, right? So it gives me really precise, easy ways to navigate and transparency into why is it making the decisions it's making, right? Getting away from that black box if I don't really understand how it got there. And also then I can easily export the planogram, kick it into my platform, and I can go execute on that across the stores that that planogram is generated for. Now, I'm gonna hand it over to Scott. As always, he gets the fun part. Um, he's gonna take you through where I think the platform really gets fun and this idea of AI really comes to life as you get to test and iterate scenarios at scale very rapidly and collaborate uh, across stakeholders within your organization. Scott, I'll hand it to you. Awesome, Dirk, thanks so much. This is my favorite part of what AI enables. It actually enables both retailers and CPG manufacturers to collaborate for the first time in real time and to make decisions together that are effective for the business. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about how that comes to life. Um, for, in my entire career, being able to take an idea that somebody has, which is often could be a really great idea or could be really a bad idea and be able to rapidly simulate that idea and quantify it is so important to making uh, smarter and more effective decisions and also to enable a collaboration between stakeholders, whether they be internal within your own company or they be external. Uh, and Curate AI keeps the focus on the desired business outcome so what is the actual financial outcome of that idea or that strategy? And most importantly, keeps the focus on the customer. One of the most common yet really hard decisions is what financial role I want this category to play in my store. Is it driving revenue? Is it driving volume? Is it improving margin? What, what is my overriding strategy? Dirk talked about that earlier. And AI allows you to really quickly simulate different approaches uh, to those in different strategies even, and optimize exactly what the impact will be at the shelf at each store. And that gives merchandising teams at retailers, as, as Dirk said earlier, turn by turn directions to execute on and the financial metrics to drive organizational alignment around those. And you can see a few examples of these. You can optimize on revenue, you can optimize on profit, you can optimize on volume and get financial outcomes to each scenario that you wanna run and collaborate with supplier partners on which of those scenarios or which of those strategies are gonna drive the outcome that you're looking for from a category strategy. This is bringing that example to life. Um, so you'll see across the bottom, and I'll talk about a few of these, um, you know, the different types of business questions that can be answered. So delivering a final assortment and planogram is an entire process, as I'm sure everyone on this call knows, that's full of questions, it's full of obstacles, it's full of objectives. And AI really allows merchandising teams to quickly evaluate the business impact of each of those questions and all of the possible options so your teams can ultimately make the best decision for the business uh, and one that is aligned to your strategy. So a few just scenarios I'll, I'll pick on here. Um, you might be asking a question such as um, in scenario one, uh, this is super common, right? What's the opportunity to re-optimize my current clusters? So I'm not ready to go all the way to store level, but I'd really like to re-optimize my current clusters and get a financial outcome. Um, scenario two would be an example of uh, what's the impact of current innovation? So launching new items, shelves are full, new item goes on, something has to come off. What will happen to sales? What will happen to margin? What will happen to volume? Um, going all the way over for scenario five, what if I take the journey to store specific? Now I'm localizing my assortment, uh, I am I'm directly impacting shopper behavior or I'm at least serving up what shoppers at that particular store want. Uh, and I see a massive increase in sales. And I can offset that with what is uh, any sort of impact on uh, labor that might be associated with that. Um, and last but not least, sort of all the way to the right, uh, how are sales impacted if I localize demand and reduce waste? Uh, and there's all types of uh, ability for AI to say, I can set days of supply to a certain threshold whereby those items sell out before they expire. That would be one example of being able to impact waste, which impacts um, both sales and margin. 
Torque, if you don't mind moving to the next slide, please, sir. This would be a really good example of where um, assortment isn't only an internal collaboration. You've got to have alignment with your suppliers. Um, from a retailer perspective, CPG manufacturers have a ton of information on consumer trends, what innovation is in the pipeline, uh, supply chain planning, promotional support, et cetera. And on the retailer side, tons of information about your own shoppers. Um, Curate makes that collaboration process significantly faster. So way back in the day, um, whenever there was an interaction between CPG manufacturer that I worked with and, and retailer buyers, it was, here's, a, here's an idea I think is gonna work. We all ran back to the office. We spent three weeks trying to figure out whether that was a good idea or a bad idea. What AI does and Curate specifically is it makes that collaboration and that process real time, significantly faster, 100% transparent and data driven. And it allows merchants and their supplier partners to move faster. So with greater precision, so both organizations can maximize their investments to drive results. And these are just a few examples of starting with what is today and then running different scenarios to say what can be tomorrow so that you can quickly arrive at the best decisions that are going to drive the category strategy. And next slide, Dirk. Dirk showed you a little bit about this. So speaking of execution, right, Curate, Curate enables users to drill into any level of a scenario. So I can start at the total national level. I can drill down to uh, a particular DC level or a market level, and then I can go all the way to school. Um, and that helps me understand, it helps the user understand performance drivers and seamlessly review, you know, planarium output. So these decisions are 100% executable because they're space aware um, and how different decisions are gonna impact product placement. So yes, I get the financial outcome on the left, but how's it gonna look on the shelf? Is this still gonna be shoppable? Is this gonna meet my, um, you know, meet my shelf standards or my merchandising standards? So putting the focus on execution not just on generating insights. So now I know I can, I can do this. I can make this change to my strategy. I'm going to get this financial result from this change, and I know exactly what that's going to be from a prediction standpoint. And then I know exactly how it's going to be rendered on the shelf, and I know that every single item is going to fit on the shelf at every single store. And through that collaboration uh, of new items coming in, items coming out on a store-by-store -store basis, Every store is treated like a snowflake and every shopper that goes into those stores that's already shopping there is going to be rendered an assortment that allows a retailer to retain those shoppers. And that's the ultimate magic of what AI can do to create a collaboration between CPG manufacturers and retailers uh, in order to rapidly, minutes, not weeks, understand the financial outcomes of their decisions and make those decisions together. And ultimately that that creates win-win scenarios that help the entire industry. Really, ultimately, what does this all mean? Uh, and Dirk said at the beginning, so I'm just going to repeat it at the end. Um, both parties are able to collaborate to seamlessly navigate, in the words at the bottom, shelf performance, and constraint impact. And what constraint impact means is exactly what I said before. All the way down to the store product level, what is going to happen? So what is going to happen from a sales perspective? What is going to happen from a space perspective? And that makes that helps me make more intelligent decisions. They do a few things, and you can see them here. One, increase sales and margin. So on average, across all of the categories, and, and it's more than 100 category retailer combinations, um, we've seen sales grow an average of 6%. Over and above existing processes. Now, it might be less than that if, if it's optimizing at a cluster level, more than that if it's optimizing all the way down the store level, somewhere in between. Uh, but there's that opportunity to grow sales. Improving on-shelf availability, which is making sure you have the right products in the right stores with the right number of facings, holding power, and days of supply to make sure that those highest performing items in that specific store stay in stock. Instead of generically saying all products should get three days of supply, well, what if one store needs six days of supply and another store needs one and a half? So it is intelligently improving on-shelf availability. The third is driving operational efficiency. So we see a, an average of about a 70% reduction in uh, labor from an assortment analytics perspective and creating assortment insights. So not only faster, but, it's, but it, um, it you know, creates a, a way to think smarter and more strategically because I'm not doing the manual tasks. The same thing in planogram generation and, and space insights. And then obviously we just talked about the improving collaboration uh, and the outcomes 
that are win-wins. And ultimately, that is just creating win-wins between retailer, CPG manufacturers, uh, and creating a competitive advantage in the marketplace. So I want to wrap just to say what Dirk started with in the beginning. The real opportunity is to have locally relevant assortment that's effectively merchandised and it's operationally efficient. So in those three, uh, in, in those three particular areas, that is where AI delivers a result that human beings over the course of our lives just haven't been able to do in a time efficient manner. Uh, and it combines business smarts with analytical heavy lifting. And that's where you get outcomes that are game changing. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of both Dirk and I for uh, taking a few minutes with us today uh, and learning about it. I'm going to turn it back over to, um, to, to Teresa and team. If there are just questions that you have, uh, please, uh, you know, please, please fire away. Thanks, Dirk and Scott. Appreciate it. Um, we do have some questions coming in. Um, one of them here is how widespread is the use of AI for category management today? And what's your projection for adoption in the future? And whoever wants to take that first, go. <laughs> yeah, I'll right. take a run at it first, Scott, and feel free to uh, Larry. So there, you know, part of what uh, generated this, there was a study done uh, last year, and I'm going to lump category management a bit in with retail, um, but it's actually one of the biggest laggards as far as adoption of AI uh, at this stage, but equally one of the areas with the biggest opportunity. Um, so I won't necessarily put a percentage on what that is because I'm sure I would get it wrong, but I know it is lagging a lot of other areas, whether that's marketing, um, technology, other spaces. Um, when I look forward to the future, I think just the natural dynamics are going to drive it to a place that it has to be there, right? And I compare it to, you know, a bit of the e-commerce uh, work that we see today, how people analyze e-commerce businesses, same to marketing. It comes down to execution, right? And AI allows you to move from insight to execution much faster. Um, and I think the organizations that are able to adopt that and truly take advantage of their data within category management, within merchandising, you know, set to get a real big advantage first mover uh, from their competition. So it's a journey to get there, right? There's structural changes, uh, mindset changes you have to make as an organization. Um, but I would expect to see it in the next five years very heavily used. Um, across all these functions where today it's pretty minimal. So it's going to take experimentation and playing around, I think, for teams to see how they're going to use it and impact it. Yeah, the only thing I would add to what Dirk said, if there's there's been a number of studies on the industries where AI has become massively prevalent, right? From financial services, banking, insurance in particular, where there's multiple data sources being analyzed, healthcare. Now, and retail and CPG is the next industry where this is already in, in kind of full utilization and supply chain in particular, right? That's, a, that's an area from a CPG and retail where AI has made significant leaps and bounds and sales, marketing, category management, are, it, that adoption is already starting. Uh, just because it's been proven within their own organizations already, to demystify AI, AI and machine learning is just automating tasks that humans already do. That's it. If you can analyze an Excel spreadsheet, AI can analyze it faster, more accurately, and it never sleeps. So it's it's just replicating and automating tasks that humans already do so that humans can use our brains to think more strategically. Great. Thanks for that. Um, another question from one of our attendees. How do you avoid the manual input for store-specific planograms? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I'll, I'll take a first run, Scott. Feel free to, to add to it, right? A lot of the traditional processes are very heuristic-based, i.e. it's if-then statements, right, which requires a ton of setup, right? To develop the rules to, to count for every single scenario. If this product's here, put this product next to it. So I think we take two different, two approaches to it that kind of change that. First is the AI actually starts to learn from your existing planogram. So we ingest that planogram, ingest that space, and the AI starts to already make decisions. It says, okay, these items are generally grouped together and this item's on the top and this item's on the bottom. Why is that? So it already starts to build constraints and rules for that user to go validate. Is that right? Do I want that? Is that the right flow, et cetera? From there though, the biggest thing is we take a, and, and I'd have to have our, our PhD Minkus explain it, but using operational research, right? It's not if then statements, it's a learning process where the algorithm is learning and I can set rules that then tell it how to make those decisions. So it's starting to mimic that human decision cycle, but giving it scale as opposed to a traditional if then uh, model, which, Again, has has its warrants. It just requires a lot of management uh, up front, and then hard to make changes on the back end. So we've taken a different approach to that. 
Um, we did got another question here. If you work with, do you work with a partner to generate the store level planograms with high resolution graphics, et cetera, or does Hybrid do it? Yeah, we generate it right within the platform, uh, within Curate. Um, certainly, if organizations want to translate that to like a virtual, uh, navigatable, walkable, that's where we would collaborate with whoever partner they're working with to kind of make sure they have the inputs. They would obviously bring the imaging and some of that stuff. But what you saw on the screen today is more just traditionally what we generate within Curate, which is a visual output of what that shelf planogram looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to add to that, that visual output is then exportable into any current planogram generation solution. So it will get a planogram, you know, very close to retail ready, but then enable a user to import that into their current planogram generation platform if they want to make last minute space changes or, or as, as things happen, and they always do. Um, it, it allows them to, to make those manual changes themselves should they want to, but it, it does about 80% of the heavy lifting of generating a planogram and being able to visually represent the before and the after when you run those assortment simulations. So for every simulation, you could say, okay, this is the financial outcome. This is what it looked like on the shelf before. This is what it looks like after. Do I like that? And then as, as Dirk said, you can interact with the software to create different rules um, but it, it takes all of that heavy lifting up front, but then also gives the user the power you know, to turn those planograms in at the retailer level or, or to validate those planograms within whatever space management solution the retailer uses or, or the CPG manufacturer uses for that. Um, we have another question here. What's the process for evaluating new item launch or acceptance using AI? Yeah, absolutely. New items are always a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. We think about them in three ways. Uh, and so I'll go through the process for each three of those. The first um, is really just germane to exactly how the Curate AI model works, which is it's looking at every single item store combination and it's forecasting how every single item is going to do in a store, even if that item isn't in that store. So if it's in the retailer but new to a store, the model itself is forecasting that, understanding how that's going to interact with i.e. cannibalization or transfer of demand with existing items on the shelf. So what am I taking on? What am I putting on? If it is new to the retailer, we'll work with our customers on do they have rest of market data, right? That has some indications of how that item is gonna perform, Do they have some research, and then we'll create either a sister image on our own with them to say, we expect it to perform this way and interact this way, or we'll use a combination of product attributes, items to create a sister item that we can put into the model and forecast how it's going to interact. The trickiest one is obviously new to the universe, right? Totally new item to a category, but. This industry has been researching, working on that. It's been many years at Nielsen, right? Finding ways to do that. So very similar to number two, we go and look at what research you have and how do we build a sister item or a recommendation? Because again, AI doesn't know everything, right? It doesn't know what that new item is going to do. So we guide it and then it goes and looks at how every other item is performing to know when I put that item in, what item should come out and how do sales now interact within that. But we look at them in those three ways because we think they are distinctly different. And we partner with our clients to build that innovation file, right? And then we load that in so that it can just automate uh, within the assortment and space process. You know, when looking, I got my first uh, emails this week about pumpkin spice and gingerbread. Uh, so when we talk about new items, how does, you know, a plethora of new items that come in for seasonality, because, you know, retailers are starting to think about holiday and have been. So how does that kind of play into it if one of you wants to address that? Yeah, I think step one is making sure we use enough data from a standpoint of historical history to capture those seasons just to, that's really for training the model because you don't want to leave something out, right? Uh, um, there's a great example of Zach was on. He could tell you about his past experience of spinaches and frozen and like, you know, some things only sell during a certain window, right? So you got to use enough historical data to capture those. But then it's really giving flexibility to the users. Again, this is where human intuition is so important, right? It gives them the flexibility to say, I want to run this model only on this period of time because I'm planning for seasons. I'm planning for this seasonal execution. And you know what? If I want to override this because I know there's some trend that I want to make sure all items with the use your pumpkin flavor are overweighted in this model, I can go do that, right? AI is great at what it does. I thought Scott said it well, right? It runs, it never sleeps. It's great at processing immense data at scale and precision, but you got to tell it, you know, you got to direct it to, and that's where the power of those two ideas come together. I'll add a little bit to that. So most categories are seasonal at the end of the day, cold and flu, soup season, grilling season, four candy buying seasons. And when you, when you think about the whole store and those patterns are already in the data, when you go back, we, we always start with two years of data and then we let the user select 
the time period that they then maybe they want to go back and look at just the, the slice of the data that's from the last time the planogram was generated to now as they start their assortment analytics. Maybe they want to go back and look pre-COVID and post-COVID as things have changed, right? Supply chain disruption, as Dirk mentioned. So the ability to, to take a longer period of time of, of data, weekly data at the item store level, and then allow the user to slice that data however they want, run simulations against those different slices of data really is what allows the, 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 the end user to use their brain, what they know has happened in the marketplace. And, but also the AI knows exactly what's happened in every one of those sales patterns and every one of those weeks throughout those different seasons, year over year. So uh, just, it's just about creating the flexibility within the AI for the user to make selections that say, um, I know what was happening at my company. I know what was happening at this retailer. Um, I know what was happening from a time period perspective. And then the AI will rerun those simulations based on that selection of data. We talk about locally relevant and hyper-local. And Scott, you talk about working with your suppliers and your CPGs. How are you working with companies that might be startup or smaller um, as partners? Does that make a difference? Or how do you, you know, how do you recommend working, working together? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one first, Dirk, if you don't mind, and then jump, yeah. jump in here. Um, com companies, as you said, Lynn, come in all shapes and sizes, right? Um, the, the largest of the large retailer and CPG manufacturer, and then uh, the ones that are small today and trying to become the largest of the large, right? So, and through what we've seen from an acquisition perspective or merger perspective over time, brands, you know, smaller brands get bought by bigger companies. But the world over, and I've been, you know, in my last sort of 30 years and have worked in a bunch of different countries with clients, both on the CPG and retailer side, the problems are the same. Whether you're a small company or a large company, you're, you're ultimately trying to make sure you're making the right decisions about getting your, your products in the right stores and that collaboration between retail and CPG manufacturer at all levels is I might be a small company, but I might have the next greatest product for the category that's going to drive significant incremental sales. The problem is I don't have the resources that the largest companies in the world might have. I don't have 50 category managers to throw at this problem. And that ultimately is where leveraging technology like AI levels the playing field. If I only have three people on my team, I can run the same kind of simulations and the same types of analyses that other companies might've had because they had 50 people or hundred people to do that, could do the heavy lifting on the analytics, but it really has now allowed everyone to become smarter, faster, uh, and more collaborative with their partners. Good point. Um, and also, how do you catch newer growth trends when using AI? Dirk, you want to take a stab at that? Yeah, yeah, this is a fun one. You always get the, well, won't AI just regurgitate uh, the same things over and over again, right? And so there's two things that really are behind this. One is, again, think about inputs, right? You take in, you take sales level data, potentially customer metrics, space data, but you also take in product attribution. And what the AI is doing is the same thing you would do. It's just doing it at scale. It starts to look at, and it can identify even if there's missed sales, look, you have a massive opportunity in this segment of this category. We can see that because it's not selling in your stores, right? So it won't always revert to the mean, right? It's constantly learning. So you can identify both white space and growth. But the other thing is, again, you can also inform it, right? You have other research, other insights, things that you've looked at, trends that you're doing. Nobody's going to stop doing that work, right? But how do I actually translate that into what the shelf should look like? And that's really where you get to have some fun with it and say, okay, I know this trend is big in this category. The biggest opportunity is actually be the first one to take advantage of it. So how do I take that insight and convert it to insight? So AI doesn't, you know, it will uncover tremendous growth, but at the same time, it will also allow you to just take an insight and get there before the competition does, which I think is a big upside. I think we have time for one more here. Do you expect retailers to make changes to the shelf more frequently with AI and how will it change how new item uh, performance is assessed? I do. I, I think all the factors are pushing that, right? Not I, AI is simply a mechanism to do it. I think it's more the headwinds and the factors of, look, stores are taking on a different role uh, in the industry. And there was a great stat, you know, actually in 2021, store growth outpaced e-commerce for the first time. Now, that doesn't mean that, e-commerce is slowing down. It simply means that that omni experience means I've got to be more reactive and I've got to be more precise. And so I think that in and of itself is going to push retailers to move faster. AI is going to enable them to do it. Now, there's some cultural changes 
continuing to think about how they manage data, shifting from traditional mindsets. Of I've got to put hands on every assortment. How do I trust but verify? Um, and then also embracing AI. It's not replacing, it's augmenting what I do. But yes, I, I do think retailers that lean into that first will see a big advantage because they'll be more responsive uh, to changes in the market. Uh, doesn't seem to be any signal that that stuff is slowing down uh, anytime soon as far as disruption for us. Yeah, I'll, I'll add one thing to that and a real life example. So I was talking to a retailer uh, outside of the US. So international retailer in Europe and they were beer, wine and spirits retailers. So think in that genre. And they today reset their stores once per year. And the reason they only set their stores once per year is because the process is so manual and so labor intensive that going through that 30 week of assortment analysis, strategic planning process, and then you know another handful of weeks of generating planograms and getting those planograms in the store. And if you think about those categories where there's a lot of innovation, you know, craft beers, different new wine brands, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, spirits has become craft at the end of the day, right? So there's a ton of turnover. And their question was, do you mean I'll actually be able to reset my stores more often where I can take advantage of these, this new innovation and seasonal trends, right? Think about beer is seasonal um, with, with different flavor profiles, maybe in the fall and winter versus the spring and summer, et cetera. Um, and the answer is yes. And it's, that's just AI has enabled them to change their strategy um, and, and, and take advantage of what Dirk just said of being relevant in the seasons and not be limited by the current manual processes and legacy solutions that they've had in place. Great. And, and Dirk, we mentioned so much, you, you talked times several times about human intuition and human intelligence. So beyond technology, um, you know, what are some, what are some key things uh, that retailers can do for selection decisions and execution? Yeah, I think it'll emphasize probably three areas. The first is it puts a lot more emphasis on data. Now, the data is there to do this already, but I think it's, you know, retailers are already pushing down this path, retail media networks, like I got to get more value from my data. So you're going to see a bigger emphasis on data management, like manage it once, use it multiple ways. So I think that's one that has to continue to pace and keep up to really leverage the power of AI. I think the second one is just mindset, right? Like it's a command and control environment in retail. I want to know exactly what's happening. But that leads to some of the challenges that Scott highlighted, right? Like if I have to put hands on every one, manage it in a walkthrough, it's just a different role for that, I think, in the future, right? Use it for strategy, but ultimately, how do I use technology to verify and then go execute? And I think quantifying the outcome will be a big part of that. And then I think the last one is just what you said, right? It's AI isn't about automating and replacing. It's about how do I use it to augment what I can do? Mm -hmm. To the example, Scott, you're the, the European retailer, like, this opens up the ability with my existing teams to get to this level. Uh, and so I think you'll see those are three big shifts outside of just you know learning to use the tech uh, that you'll see them have to kind of undergo to really get the full benefit. If you would like to learn more about Hivery Curate and how it can help grocers quantify the financial outcome of any assortment decisions and rapidly execute the best merchandising strategy at the store level, you can navigate to hivery.com forward slash curate and book a demo. Thank you for listening until the end of this podcast. Until the next time.